Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Are you ready for some culinary discovery? I love food. I love eating it and looking at it and reading and writing about it, creating it, sharing it, and most especially talking about it right here on the radio. If you love to cook or love to eat, I like to say we can definitely be friends. And this is your show. I'm delivering deliciousness every weekend, so please mark your calendar and be sure to tune in. If you happen to have missed a show, don't worry. Podcasts are posted on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And if you're hungry for more, I'm always serving up seconds to sip and savor at chefjamie.com, where you'll find an arsenal of recipes to fill every day with fabulous flavor. I'm sharing my outlook on the food world with you because there are a wealth of tastes out there, but I will travel miles for the perfect burrito and I do love a dive bar. I'm all about dinners for one or cocktails for 50. And so I'm sharing inspiration and informative, entertaining, delicious conversation. And at least I hope you think so. Coming up this hour, we have a full plate, and I am delighted because the goddess of wine, Karen McNeil, is here. Her wine Bible has sold over a million copies, in fact, and she is truly the leading female on informative wine education. She's also all about using the right glass. And so if you want to up your wine game, stay tuned. Before the end of the hour, we're talking gut health with metabolic expert and fitness guru, my sweet friend, Lisa Lynn, and your body will thank you. But first, let's kick off this show, as I always like to do, with a tutorial of sorts. You might just have a taste bud moment, I like to call it, coming up. So, today's lesson, let's say, is, uh, well, I hate to say it, selfishly, all about my fridge. True. This past week, um, I whipped up a few dishes with the remainder of things from my fridge and freezer that needed to be used up. Needless to say, my fridge is almost always full. In fact, I have a friend you've heard me mention before who calls it the infinity fridge since there, he says, is always something delectable in it. And he used to stop by often for a peek and a few bites. Now, I do a good clean out every week, and I'm sure that you do too, but there's always something to use up. And in a matter of about 20 minutes, I had a coconut chicken soup on the stove, uh, shredded rotisserie chicken, or leftover Sunday supper chicken and a can of coconut milk will get you there, uh, pomegranate chicken thighs that were roasting in the oven, pomegranate molasses chicken thighs that needed to go, and then some lamb shoulder chops, which I found in the freezer, and they were ready. Remember, first in, first out, time to use them up. They're braising with white wine and vegetables on the stove at the point where it smells so good in my house. Uh, I couldn't wait to have them for dinner. Uh, My mom says that my grandmother used to make them just that way. So you could call all of that leftovers, but I heard a fabulous phrase that I adopted many months ago, and I call it extending the table. 
And it does follow the format of waste not, want not. And in the interest of wasting less and spending less and eating more, that's the best part, think about what you had for dinner last night or the night before. Maybe you roasted a chicken, but you didn't do full justice to the chicken. So did you use the carcass uh, to simmer it with water and, you know, an onion, some carrots, maybe a stalk of celery to make a rich, nourishing bone broth? Or did it become a beautiful soup? I like the challenge of saving the last bits of onion after you dice them and then the last carrot in the bag uh, from my produce bin and the center leaves of the celery instead of tossing all those things in the garbage. And I keep them in a resealable bag in my fridge. And I think that it does, I will say, always get used up for that soup or that stock or just on the... uh, bottom of the pan for a roast when I want to raise it up so that the air will circulate around it. I might never eat that carrot, although it's so good, really caramelized from the bottom of the sheet pan. But it's also something I do that's good for the planet and for our prosperity if we saved more, right? So the heels of the loaf of bread that you bought, did you make breadcrumbs? Oh, you... No, you threw it out? Well, you could have. You dry it out in the oven or you toast them, you grind them. When you take that extra minute, I think you feel better about the other things that you throw away. And I don't mean to sit on my uh, uh, high culinary unicorn, that which I don't have, and say, I don't throw anything away because I do. But reusing those leftovers isn't a punishment. I think it's a chance to be creative. And I think it's an act of thankfulness. And so I'm trying to be more mindful than ever. And I hope it inspires you. So here are some amazing meal ideas that you can make from leftovers to extend the table. Do you have leftover pasta? Because I always make the whole pound and it's way too much for my little household. You could make spaghetti frittata. Yes, spaghetti for breakfast. A restaurant, Hugo's in Los Angeles, where I grew up, they make a signature dish called Pasta Mama. Leftover spaghetti, beaten eggs, lots of Parmesan cheese. They make it into a frittata and it's delicious, lunch or dinner. And you pump up the protein value with eggs. You could throw in some veggies. You fry it all in a pan and voila. Maybe you have an abundance of bread in your freezer and you need to use it up. Of course, breadcrumbs. Or why not make a a panzanella salad? I'll get it out. I got hungry from the spaghetti frittata just mentioned. Um, If you have, uh, let's say, big cubes of bread, they could go right on the grill. They can go into a salad as croutons. Uh, There's just wonderful ways, I think, uh, to make good use of them. And if you happen to have a couple slices of pizza somewhere, uh, could be from the best pizza joint, maybe you made it yourself, good for you, uh, or a frozen pizza in a pinch, Well, I'll tell you what I love to do with leftover pizza. Pizza croutons. That's right. There is a slice of pizza that you pick the cheese off or that is somewhere in your fridge. And I will say pizza croutons are delicious. You could pump up the flavor of tomato soup with a few pizza croutons. I'd come over for that. Uh, Leftover rice from the Chinese restaurant still in the container. Coconut rice pudding. Or veggie fried rice. Or uh, how about arancini, the Italian delight that is a rice ball with a piece of mozzarella cheese melting within. Or an easy chicken and rice soup. So good. Steak or pork leftover? 
I just slice it thin and that becomes nacho night. And if you have veggies that are sort of aging or maybe you have a crudite left over or you bought a veggie tray and you haven't used it up, pickle it. Oh, yes. And then if you happen to have a piece of fish in your freezer, like uh, a filet of salmon, let's say, uh, you don't need to be from Boston to enjoy a nice bowl of chowda, right? And if you're looking for protein and omega-3s and some really hearty, warming goodness because the weather has been so cold, you can make a nice pot of chowder with just a little bit of fish. And I think that's a great way to use it up. So I hope that your experience extending the table is a delicious one. And I'd love to know what you make. So email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. All right, it's time for food news this week. I thought I was in the know, but now I'm not so sure. Did you know that there are almost 100,000 posts on Instagram that include the hashtag Starbucks secret menu? But you have to know that these drinks are known by the baristas, from what I understand, from all of these tens of thousands of posts. And so people are sharing their favorites online. And I can't wait to order a shortbread cookie frappuccino. It's actually Girl Scout cookie inspired and you just have to know what to ask for. How about the raspberry cheesecake frappuccino or a thin mint? How about a a Winnie the Pooh or a cookies and cream cold brew? Have you heard about the Skittle secret menu drink at Starbucks. There's a a baby Yoda and a chocolate-covered strawberry drink, a tiramisu. There's just about everything. Purple, pink. The Nutella Frappuccino is mocha sauce, hazelnut syrup, and whipped cream. And I'm in. So if you want to scour the internet and learn more about the Starbucks secret menu, (laughs) go for it. Don't touch your dial coming up lauded wine expert and author Karen McNeil is here and we are going to sip and savor Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio be right back And welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Let's sip and savor, shall we? Because we do have the greatest culinary and wine minds on this show. Noted writer, author, and educator Karen McNeil is the only American to have won every major wine award given in the English language. Impressive, right? The James Beard Award for Wine and Spirits Professional of the Year, the Louis Roederer Award for Best Consumer Wine Writing, the International Wine and Spirits Award as the Global Wine Communicator of the Year. Even Time Magazine got it right. They called Karen Americans Missionary of the Vine and well-deserved. 
Karen has graced this show before, and I am so delighted to have her back. She is the co-creator and uh, chairman of the Rudd Center for Professional Wine Studies at the Culinary Institute of America, Napa Valley, the CIA, my alma mater, makes me very proud. And her program has been called the Harvard of Wine Education. Well, uh, as if her plate wasn't full enough, her newest venture is wine glasses. And wait till you hear, because this is brilliant. The glass that you sip and savor from definitely makes a difference, right? In the aromas, in the bouquet, in the flavors on the palate when you sip your favorite Chardonnay or Pinot Noir. And Karen's new wine glasses are designed around what matters most. And that, Karen says, is flavor. And I agree. Karen McNeil is here to dish. And I'm so glad to have you back, Karen. Welcome. I hope that you are healthy and well. Hi, Jamie. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to catch up with you again. Uh, Tell us about the new glassware. I was so excited to read about it. I heard it was going into restaurants. Then I found out, oh, good. All of us wine snobs at home can enjoy them too. Oh, definitely. Yes. Um, you know, they're called the Flavor First Collection. And, um, yeah, you can buy them on wine.com and at Macy's um, and uh, on, I think on Amazon now, too. Um, but here was the, you know, one day I was literally sort of struck by lightning about hmm. this idea. Hmm. Um, so I, I guess epiphanies do happen. Yes. But, um, you know, I realized that, uh, I mean, I taste 2,000 wines a year. And so people in the wine biz, like me, you know, we get used to the fact that glasses come in all different shapes and sizes. There are glasses named for regions like Bordeaux and Burgundy. There are glasses named for varieties like Tempranillo or Chardonnay or Sangiovese. And all of that is actually pretty complicated. You you actually have to know something about wine yes. in order to, you know, drink the wine you like. And the craziness of that just sort of hit me. And I thought, why can't you just design a wine glass around flavor? Because mm-hmm. I knew from all of my students at the CIA that when you ask someone what kind of wine they like, they say something really simple. You know, they say, I like bold reds or something. Um, mm. So that that began, then, <laughs> then began, sorry, um, almost three years of my yes. doing uh, tons of experimenting mm. to see how, um, what kinds of flavors, like how would you design glasses? Because I'd never done this before. And eventually I settled on uh, three shapes. If you had these three glasses, these three glasses would cover all of the wines, um, your 99.9% of all the wines you're ever likely to drink. Which I and love. Those three glasses are named for flavor. One's, yeah. One's the crisp and fresh glass, hmm. one's the creamy and silky glass, and one's the bold and powerful glass. It's so smart, Karen. I have to tell you, from a culinary perspective, I very much relate that to you need three knives in your arsenal, right? You need the chef's knife, the all-purpose, you need the serrated, and you need a paring knife. And you can get by just about anywhere. And so I I loved this concept when I read about what you were doing. And I know it's a three-year passion project, but I have to tell you, it was very well worth it because thank you, you uh, allowed me, in, in addition to gracing this show, you allowed me an opportunity to taste from 
your glasses. And I have them in front of me here, right behind the microphone. And I have to tell you, they have so many beautiful qualities that I look for in stemware. The, The thinness at the lip of your glasses, the way you put your nose into the glass, every detail, so much considered. I, I love the power of this glass. So can we talk about each of them individually? Talk about crisp and fresh, if you would, to start, please. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of us love wines that are crisp and fresh. Mm-hmm. Everything from, you know, Prosecco and sparkling wine to Sauvignon Blanc to Riesling to Pinot Grigio to Rosé um, tastes so fantastic in that glass. and. Mm-hmm. It's a glass that lots of people in the restaurant business love because it's so, mm. it's so pretty on the table. Oh, it's beautiful. Tulip. All of these glasses, by the way, are the same height. Yes. Because, you know, when you look in someone's kitchen cabinet, <laughs> how crazy is it that you have glasses of all these different heights? And so this glass, though, you'll see that the widest part of the glass is kind of nearest your nose. Mm-hmm. And for reasons that I don't know and no one knows scientifically exactly why glasses make so much difference. We think it has to do with some aspect of how the wine interacts with oxygen. Mm -hmm. But in any case, I know experientially that, man, that glass makes a difference. Mm -hmm. What are you drinking out of it right now? Uh, Rosé all day, my friend. It's time somewhere, yes. It's and, time somewhere. and I have to tell you, I haven't ventured yet, and I'm not sure how you will feel about this, but I, I, I don't mind a little controversy. I remember learning in France to drink piscine de rosé, and so some ice cubes in hot weather um, sure. have, have graced my rosé, and I'm not sure if that thoroughly offends you in, in all of your gorgeous, lauded beautiful grace that, you know, you've taken the wine world by storm for so many years. And I have to just comment too, you were one of the first, if not the first female in an industry very dominated by men that has paved the way for so many of us to speak intelligently and to be able to share our passion very openly and for educating us and for educating the world on that. We thank you for sure. Um, But yes, well, of course, Rosé, yes, in my... um, in my crisp and fresh glass. I'd love to pour Prosecco or Cava, though, and oh, experience totally. it. You know, I mean, who doesn't love bubbles, right? right. Um, again, it's mm-hmm. just such a fun thing to have on the weekend, mm-hmm. um, like tonight, or just, mm-hmm. you know, these wines, Cava, Prosecco, sparkling wine from California, even Champagne, they are, it takes so much effort. It, it's such a detailed wine to make. That when people say that these wines are expensive, I'm like, no, they aren't. Are you kidding? I'm surprised they all don't cost a lot more than they do. Mm. And um, I know here in Napa Valley, where I live, um, there are California sparklers for $16, $18 a bottle that are terrific. That's $3 a glass. I mean, I know people who spend more than that on Starbucks every day. Okay, Karen, I'm going to take a great big sip during this quick break, if you'll please stay with us. More with the goddess of wine, Karen McNeil, right after this.
back and we're toasting. Karen McNeil is here, lauded author and wine expert. Of course, I have to tell you, there's something so genius about your aha moment. I want to rip all the glassware from my cabinet. Every different glass, like you talked about, the champagne glass, the stemless, the this, the that, and just use these three glasses for everything. We never knew, um, the we being, um, I have a couple (laughs) of women who work for me, and we we tasted every night, we would taste, you know, all these different wines in Mm. hundreds of different glassware. Our our office uh, table just looked crazy. I mean, for... For a near, nearly a year, it had all of this glassware from all over the world, all over it, and we would try and figure out what really mattered. And mm. it was, um, you know, I, I just thought to myself, this is bizarre that all of these glasses are so differently shaped and differently um, sized. And the one thing that is really, you'll love this, that is, uh, I think, very important about my Flavor First line yes. is that... There's no separate white wine glasses. Ah, yes, um, I noticed that. And you don't need a separate line of white wine glasses. White wine glasses are not different than red. They need as much oxygen as red. Um, in fact, white wine glasses were created, it's kind of sexist, were created because white wine was considered kind of like women, smaller and less important hmm. Um, so you can imagine how I felt about that. Well, Forget uh, it. Mo- not, most no certainly. No white wine glasses in my line. No, and by the way, I love the creamy, silky glass because my yeah. buttery Chardonnay deserves a place on the table. My yeah. oaky, yeah, my, my oaky suck-on-a-barrel Chardonnay, loud and proud, let me tell you. Well, that is the glass for it, and you see that it's shaped exactly like an egg. Yes. And um, that is such a, a harmonizing shape in nature. Mm. That glass is so remarkable. It's the one I reach for so often. I do drink a lot of Chardonnay and a lot of Pinot Noir. Mm, And the wines just taste so harmonious in that shape. I have to tell you, I poured Chardonnay, what, a couple days ago when I first took the glasses out of the box. And there are two of each of the three styles of glasses in a box. So you can enjoy with your bestie or your partner or your favorite wine lover. Um, and I poured the Chardonnay and I thought in putting my nose in the glass that there was something at another level than I was used to, which I, it has to be attributed to your egg shape for sure. I feel like the nose is better on the wines I usually drink in your glasses. I really do. Yeah, that is a big part of it, of course. It's, it's why... You know, even unconsciously, um, you may not actually, uh, you know, sniff dramatically in the way that um, that sommeliers do. But we're all unconsciously very ruled by smell. And when something smells good, um, you know, it's, it's of course wonderful. It's intoxicating in a sense. And when, similarly, when something smells bad or dull or just doesn't have any smell at all, it's um, you know, it's sad. Um, That's true. A lot of Pinot Grigio poured in um, the wrong glass has about as much charm as tap water because <laughs> you, can't, you can't smell a single thing. Amazing. Huh. When you think of it that way. Bold and powerful. Only for red or... Uh, no, you know, some really big Chardonnays are great in that glass. Okay. Because, um, because 
Chardonnay can be bold and powerful. Sure. One of the reasons that people love it is that it's not, uh, you know, it's not shy Chardonnay. It's not recessive. It can jump right out of the glass. Hmm. Um, but it's primarily for uh, grapes like Cabernet or Merlot or wines like um you know, the, there's a lot of good, inexpensive Bordeaux coming out. Yes. Um, lots of southern Italian reds are terrific in that glass. Mm, okay. Zinfandel, Australian Shiraz. Yes. Um, so it's a very, there are a lot of uh, bold and powerful wines in the world. So it's a glass that uh, has a lot of utility, I guess I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And and I love that you created utility and versatility and convenience because I think, uh, albeit a pandemic or not, we're all looking for more of that in our lives. We've all become accustomed to the conveniences of so many aspects of our lives, especially today, right? Everything delivered to your door, uh, the garbanzo beans already cooked, steamed, and packaged for you, um, hummus in a minute. I love that, personally. Um, I wonder if you ventured um, outside of white and red into uh, some of the, like, um, whether whiskey drinkers can rejoice or yeah. fortified wines. Like ever since the CIA, which is a lot of years ago now, Karen, I could still sit down to um, port and cheese for dinner and I'm very happy. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I wonder, the fortified wines or uh, for, for cocktail drinkers, have you tested these, these glasses? You know what we did do? We realized, even though I... I thought, okay, three glasses for the whole world. That's, that's terrific. I really, you know, one glass doesn't do it, but nobody needs 17 different glass <laughs> sizes and shapes. Yes. The one concession I did make, though, I, I kept thinking to myself, yeah, but what about, I don't know, what about super casual situations? You mentioned, you know, um, ice cubes in rosé, or uh, you're in some situation where you really you're in a tiny apartment in Boston or New York. You don't have, barely have enough kitchen space for one person to move around. You know, what about those kinds of situations? And uh, so we, we created a fourth glass called a petite stem. Oh. And it has a foot on it, though. So it's not like an O glass. Okay. It, it, it has a very, 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 very tiny stem. Um, but it does have a foot so that you can swirl wine. Yes. And I did it for for wine, and, and you could also use it for water. The most surprising thing to me was people have now written in saying, I love your new glass for bourbon. Oh. I love your new glass for gin and tonics. <laughs> I love your new glass for iced tea. Well, there like, we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> it turns out that that um, petite stem is really fantastic for all kinds of other beverages. Oh, I love that. You know, Karen, I bring everything back to food. That, that's the everyday pan of glassware yep. that you created, right? That's my go-to pan for everything. That will be my go-to glass for everything. Yeah, and you know, Jamie, something you're saying is so important. Um, I mean, probably like you, um, you know, companies sometimes send me these very, very expensive glasses, and mm. they're beautiful, but I realized, and I put them someplace nice up on a shelf, and I realized years go by, and I've never once reached for them. Yeah, they get dusty. 
they just get dusty because because I'm afraid to break them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I also wanted, in my own mind, I said, I'm never going to do that. My glasses are not going to be, make people, they're not going to be priced in a way that makes people afraid to break them. And we thank you for that. Yes. So um, these are, uh, for consumers, you know, if you got them at Macy's, uh, the, the six variety set where you get two of each is, works out to, I think, about $11 a glass. Hmm. And, you know, there are so many glasses on the market right now that are like $30, 40 yes. $50 oh, per stem. Easy. You, Easy. You would never grab that because no. you'd be too afraid to break it. It's very true. Um, before I let you go, what is the last year like for you, Karen? Have you been tasting more? Do you have another book in the process because that's what you've been home doing? How, is, how has the pandemic affected your yeah. wine world? You know, we have been doing, um, well, I am writing the third edition of the Wine Bible. Mm. The Exciting. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, it, it, the first one took 10 years, the second one took four years, and I'm determined that this one will only take three years. It's, it's, it covers the world, so wow. the world turns out to be a big play yes. when it comes, up, comes to wine. Um, and we've been writing um, my newsletter called Wine Speed, which goes to your, it's free, it goes to your inbox um, every Friday. It's super fun. It's very short. And, uh, you know, it's been fun. I've had to kind of dust off my old radio and television days. Hmm. Mind you, I'm not as good as you at that. Oh, um, you flatter uh, me. I'm trying. Karen, always a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your passion. I was about to ask you your most favorite current food and wine pairing. Can you just throw something out? What did you eat last night? And what were you Uh, drinking, of course? When I get home from work, the first thing I have, this is so terrible. No, do tell. A really cold glass of sparkling wine with some really great potato chips. Oh, I love that. Okay. Our, our farmer's market here has these fantastic potato chips. It's a perfect and, pairing. Um, man, yes. I have to be really careful. We're sitting down um, to sparkling and potato chips and toasting you later, Karen. Congratulations. Thank continued success. We'll talk to you soon. We do have the greatest thinkers on this show. If you want to savor food and wine to its greatest extent, then you will stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with lots more delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, feeding your soul. She's back. So pick up those weights or take a walk around the house or get out and run because metabolic expert Lisa Lin, our resident fitness expert on the show, is here. And thank gosh, because if you're like me, your January wasn't quite as lean and clean as you had hoped. So as we continue to strive for our healthy body goals, how can we rev up our fat burning, hack those metabolisms to get to work? 
I know she'll tell us. Lisa is the founder of Lynn Fit Nutrition. She shares all the best products, I will tell you. It is my protein powder of choice. I love it. She's also the author of the award-winning The Metabolism Solution. She created the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Metabolic Boosting Weight Loss System. And you've seen her on everything and everywhere. She's always with Dr. Oz to share her workouts and insight. And I am always grateful when my friend Lise stops by to whip, whip us back into shape as she rides her stationary bike and talks to us live from Florida. Are you pedaling for me, girlfriend? I am pedaling. <laughs> no more office yes. chair for anyone. I have to tell you, sometimes no, I think about that. Should I put the big bouncy ball back at my desk and work on my core? Yes. 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 Yeah. Work that core. Or stand up. Or st- yes, yeah, stand up desk for sure. Okay. That's mm-hmm. just one way to keep your metabolism going. But talk to us about the hacks, please, because I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm certainly getting older. And your metabolism oh, yes. changes. Hard to say, but true. I do know, by the way, yesterday I turned 54, and I'm like, <gasps> wait, how did I get there? Happy, I 54? missed that. Oh, I'm sorry. Happy birthday, Fine. goddess. Honestly, I spend my day counting my blessings because let's back up for a minute, and you can tell them. Tell them what you told me, full disclosure, when we picked up this conversation. Did you think I looked maybe a little too thin? Yes, I saw. A, I watched a video of you. You were on a, a national show somewhere, and I yes. When we catch up right before these interviews, we catch up about each other. And I did say to you, Lise, you look yes. very lean. You're you're a real friend because you you love me enough to be honest, and I appreciate that. And the only reason I bring it up is because I was forty pounds overweight, and I mean fighting with food like I was exercise addict. Through the roof, hardcore, you name it, I did it and did way too much. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that down the line anybody would ever say that. While I love it, I also know there's a fine line between being too lean and the right weight. And I like to stay right on it at 54 and in front of the camera. But the reason it's it's paramount and, and important people hear this is it's not any big thing that I'm doing different. There's a few small things. One, I'm not eating out as much since. Thanks to good friends like you, I really have good cooking skills. My family would rather eat home. And we don't make perfect meals home. But hack number one is eat home more often. And even when it's not perfect, you're still going to reduce your calories by half. That little tiny change for me, and I wasn't trying, I didn't even want to, probably took off the five extra pounds I had, Hmm. the difference between perfect and too light at my height. Yes, and I think we all know that the meal out is the indulgence. Oftentimes, it's the splurge dessert at the end of the meal or the extra Mm. glass of wine, and that's my splurge day. But even being mindful of it, yes, you're right, makes a difference. It's a clinical fact that if the more often you eat out, the more you're prone to having a bad weight problem Mm. you're, you're going to have, even when you make healthy choices. I don't think... Even I, I know that, and I don't realize the magnitude until it happened to me again. Hmm. Interesting. All right, other simple hacks. I mean, you've shared before, and I love this one. You should reiterate it, but I know you have more up your sleeve as far as keeping the metabolism going. The little things like removing the creamer from your coffee or even cutting it in half, reducing it down, those things make a difference for your metabolism. That one thing I spend more time in my day job helping people 
What is so big about a little splash of cream in one cup of coffee? What people don't realize is if you took a clear glass of water and put two drops of food dye in it, what happens? It turns red. That little bit of cream, forget even the sugar and stuff we add, added to our coffee sets off a cascade of hormonal response, one being insulin. It spikes it. And even a little spice, big spike, little spike, it doesn't matter. Our fat cells open their doors, hoard, and store. They don't reveal, you know, they're not going to reduce fat and get rid of it. So if there's one thing you want to change, it's that. I'm always learning from you, and I love that, my friend. And I'm so grateful, you know, for so many years of friendship. We were just going down memory lane. It's a long time now. And thank you for gracing this show. Lisa Lynn is dedicated. Right back at you. Thank you. Lisa Lynn is dedicated to helping you get in the best shape of your life, physically, mentally, spiritually. For more than 30 years, albeit she's still 22, Lisa has devoted her career to personal training, specializing in metabolic weight loss, uh, performance nutrition, and you can get all the tips. You want to read the blog at lynnfit.com. And you want to follow on social at Lisa Lynn Fitness or Lynn Fit Nutrition. Right, Lise? Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, you know, I'm the longest loyal follower and I will continue to be so. And you will come back next month and uh, enlighten us again, please. It would be my pleasure. Have a great day. I would love it. You too. Stay well. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of culinary conversation. And I hope that it fed your soul. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of inspiration for this week. I have a breakfast treat for you. It's a quick fix and I love it because I'm trying to embrace and savor the end of citrus season. And I love grapefruit season. I think this is a three-ingredient wonder to really enjoy winter's best citrus. It's a brulee grapefruit with shredded coconut, and it's super simple. You take a large grapefruit and cut it in half, of course. Take the seeds out as you can. And if you want to, uh, use a grapefruit spoon or knife, actually, to separate the segments, the flesh, from the pith. Now... I happen to cut all the way around the exterior between the pith and the flesh just to make it easier to eat. And then I sprinkle generously with sugar. You could use granulated sugar or turbinado. You can even use a sugar substitute if you like. And I pull out my blowtorch. You can use the broiler as well. And I caramelize that grapefruit all over. Then I finish it with a sprinkle of shredded coconut. And I have to say, it's delectable brulee grapefruit in three ingredients and so simple i will post a photo that will hopefully make your mouth water on facebook twitter and instagram at chef jamie gwen where i hope you'll become a fan and a friend and follow and of course there's lots more delicious inspiration at chefjamie.com. i'm chef jamie gwen signing off and i do hope you continue to eat well 